Opinions expressed on ACB Media are those of the content creators and should not be assumed to reflect product endorsements or the views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. This is ACB Media, the broadcast home of the ACB 2022 Conference and Convention. All right, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the second part of the Information Access Committee 411 session. And let's get everyone introduced, shall we? So, first of all, I have uh, one of my great buddies of all time here helping with hosting, uh, that being Travis. Hello, Travis. How are you? Hello, I'm good. How are you? Oh, I'm great. I mean, it's so awesome. that I didn't know you were going to be here today. This excites <laughs> me. This is very good. All right, let's start in Omaha and find out who is in the room. I think Clark is still there, right, Clark? That's right, Jeff. Hi, everyone. Clark Rockfall, ACB's Director of Advocacy and Governmental Affairs. All right, and we have a number of uh, IAC members here in Zoom. Uh, Don is here. Don? I okay. am here. All right, great. Want to introduce yourself, Don? Yes, I am Don Barrett. It's a pleasure to be here on the technology group and all the exciting things that will be talked about in the next hour and 15 minutes. Yeah, we have a lot to, to cover here today. So, Great. All right. And uh, who else is here from the committee? We have Myrna. Myrna. Okay. Can you introduce yourself, Myrna? Sure. So I'm Myrna Voda. I'm all the way from, way away from Omaha. I'm in Brooklyn, New York. Um. I'm a member of the Information Access Committee, um, and I also use and teach assistive technology stuff, Braille note takers and JAWS and and sometimes NVDA and Braille displays and, and most anything. Awesome. Great. Okay. Who else we got, Travis? We have Jason. Hello, Jason. Hey, everybody. Hey, Jeff. Uh, it's Jason Castingway attending virtually way far away from Manchester, Connecticut. I've been a longtime user and enthusiast of technology and assistive technology. Absolutely. All right. Uh, who else, Travis? Thank you, Jason. Uh, let's talk a little bit about what our plans are today. Uh, first of all, we're going to hear from uh, Clark, who's going to give us a, uh, a national report on all things technology and kind of give everyone uh, out uh, both in Omaha and in the audience uh, on ACB Media 5 and on Zoom uh, an understanding of kind of where we are uh, in the area of, of technology and, and just everything information access related. Uh, I will give a very, very brief, because we actually have an entire session dedicated to this on Wednesday, July 6th, uh, a Microsoft presentation. I'll give a very, very brief uh, discussion on what's happening in the Microsoft space and, and just all things related to that. And I'll invite you to uh, come to the actual session where we'll dive really deep into the topics that I'll lightly cover during uh, that portion of the meeting. Uh, then uh, later on in the meeting, uh, Ray Campbell will be here, and he'll give us an update uh, all about United Airlines and what's going on in the space that he works in, and and also probably touching a little bit about web accessibility. It's a it's an area that uh, Ray has a very very strong passion for, and is a, a really strong advocate for. So we'll be hearing from from Ray on this. 
And then um, this session was was really going to be centered around, and I sort of mentioned this during the transition between the first and second session. This session was really uh, outlined, if you look at the convention program, to be all about shopping. And we will be doing that. Um, but we're going to actually make that a community event after convention because uh, we we've had some things come up that are pretty important that we really want to make sure we cover here. And we have um, rolled out something that we feel is, uh, is pretty exciting for uh, ACB in general um, that will allow us to help us as individuals and as an organization advocate for um, changes that we want to see technology companies make at least, uh, and, and for us to be aware of, of issues that, that have arisen. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. We're going to talk about what that is, how it works, what the process is. We're going to ask for your feedback and, uh, we're going to make that sort of an interactive session. We want to be able to engage the audience on this, get some feedback, and, um, we're going to be able to then address potentially some of that feedback to make the process even better. Uh, and then finally, we want to hear from you in general, if we have time, just about any questions you may have, concerns, uh, things that you would like to, to see the Information Access Committee be focusing on over the next year uh, as a committee, uh, and any, any other topics of interest that, that might be interesting to, to discuss that uh, relate to information access. So I hope that that uh, gives everyone sort of a, a, an idea, and, and committee members, have I, have I forgotten something that I should have mentioned i don't think i have but gosh knows you know i <laughs> you never good, know buddy you never know about these things <laughs> all right so without further ado let's um let's kick things off here because i i know that clark may, clark may have to uh clark may have to run away too i i know that he's a, a very 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 busy guy as well um but before we do that clark uh, i i hear uh other people actually uh speaking there in the room um i didn't know uh if we had any other uh committee members that have joined you in the room i guess uh with a, a shout or some applause are there any other members of the iac committee here in the room just John. Just John. Okay, good. All right. So, Clark, why don't we kick it over to you first, and then uh, and then we can uh, and then take it from there. How's that sound, sir? Perfect. Great. Uh, so, thanks, Jeff, and hello again, everyone. If you are joining us from the last panel as well, uh, you know that one of the areas that ACB is focused on in technology is ensuring the accessibility of fitness and exercise equipment. That is one of our legislative imperatives for 2022. Um, so I won't dwell too much on that. I will, however, talk about our other legislative imperatives. One also related to health and wellness, and that is the Medical Device Non-Visual Accessibility Act. So having accessible exercise and fitness equipment is great because it can help us mitigate the chronic and comorbid health conditions that far too often plague people who are blind in low vision. Uh, the Medical Device Non-Visual Accessibility Act deals with the other end of the spectrum. Once you do have a chronic medical condition uh, or you have acquired comorbid conditions, how can we ensure that the technology, the devices, the equipment 
that even your own doctor is prescribing for you? How can we ensure that those are accessible so that people who are blind and low vision can privately and independently manage their own health and their own medical conditions? So if passed, this bill would require the Food and Drug Administration, uh, the FDA, who certifies medical devices as class one, two, or three medical equipment. Uh, basically, if it's got a user interface, it has to be made accessible, uh, with whether that's threading tactile features, audio output. It needs to be independently accessible for people who are blind and low vision. Currently, the FDA is only required to evaluate for safety and clinical effectiveness. We would argue that it's hard for something to be safe or effective for somebody with a disability if it's not accessible for them to use. So in the House, HR 4853 has, I believe now, 58 bipartisan co-sponsors. And we are working with partners uh, towards seeking introduction of a Senate companion bill. And we hope for that to be accessible as well. A large part of ACB's advocacy efforts over the past year, and certainly here in 2022, have been pushing the federal government to create a uniform national framework for the accessibility of the virtual built environment. And why do I say the virtual built environment? It's because the, the ADA and implementing regulations, excuse me, the Americans with Disabilities Act and implementing regulations have clear guidelines for the physical built environment, buildings, sidewalks, ramps, curb cuts. Uh, all of these things are laid out elevators, the width of doors, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but there's no clear national framework for the virtual built environment to be accessible. So websites, applications, online portals and services. Back in February, ACB was uh, one of four organizations, the American Council of the Blind, American Foundation for the Blind, National Federation of the Blind, and National Disability Rights Network that led a sign-on letter of disability rights organizations to the Department of Justice, urging the federal government to begin the rulemaking process, uh, the rulemaking process that was begun 12 years ago in the Obama administration and then was, I guess I'll say, uh, taken down or terminated in 2017 when the, the administrations changed. We are urging the Biden administration to begin the rulemaking for website accessibility again, and not only begin it, but finish it by the end of the current presidential administration. And very happy to say our four organizations were joined by more than 180 disability rights organizations in supporting this effort with the administration. Since that time in March, the Department of Justice issued updated guidance saying what they have said for the, the past 26 or 25 years or so now 
that yes, the, the ADA does in fact apply to websites. Uh, this is the DOJ's position. This is a position we've held since the mid nineties. Here are some enforcement actions that we have taken. Uh, folks have probably seen most recently the Department of Justice has reached settlements with several grocery store chains and pharmacy chains to make their COVID vaccine websites accessible. Uh, this guidance is a great first step, but it, it doesn't have the, the force of regulations. The regulations are still needed. Um, not only to provide protections for the rights of people with disabilities, but also to give businesses, places of public accommodations, state and local governments and employers clear rules of the road so they know what it means to be accessible online. In addition to the March guidance on websites and accessibility, uh, the Department of Justice and Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, or EEOC, also issued guidance in May uh, dealing with algorithmic discrimination and bias in artificial intelligence toward people with disabilities. Uh, this one I find really exciting, even though I only understand you know, three out of every 10 words in it. Maybe Jeff can explain it more, but basically, if uh, if companies or recruiters are going to use technology, the technology needs to be accessible to people who are disabled and the technology cannot uh, discriminate. And how, I mean, how does technology discriminate, right? Well, so for example, if there's a computer program that, that's a game or a test and while that test is running, the computer camera is documenting how much eye contact somebody is making with the screen or with the camera. Uh, being blind, I'm probably not making a whole lot of eye contact and I would be scored lower than somebody else or somebody who is on the autism spectrum probably would be scored lower. Uh, for algorithms and programs used to Test aptitude, for example, if you have to match adjectives to facial expressions, how does that work with a screen reader? That needs to be considered so that that test is accessible and somebody who's disabled, somebody who's blind is not being incorrectly marked down uh, for performance, not due to their inability to, to understand uh, you know, emotional intelligence and social impact, but because the test was accessible. So still plenty more to come in that space. Uh, also since May, there have been two letters from the U.S. Senate, one led by Senator Tammy Duckworth from Illinois and one led by Senator Schatz from Hawaii. Uh, the Duckworth letter had 10 signatories. The Schatz letter had 12 of their colleagues in the Senate also sent to the Department of Justice, telling them that they need to get moving on these regulations. So as this advocacy work continues, as we continue to grow support 
from our elected officials in pushing for regulations. We're also approaching this as a two-pronged approach, not only regulations, but legislation. Uh, much like the Americans with Disabilities Act built on and exceeded the Rehabilitation Act of 1973, uh, we think it's necessary that there's a website and applications accessibility act that not only confirms uh, the applicability of the Americans with Disabilities Act to websites, but ensures that it covers not only websites, but applications, online services, and the third-party vendors and platform creators that design a lot of systems and then sell them to employers or to universities, school districts, small and uh, small businesses, local government, you know, folks who don't have the expertise on hand and rely on these third-party vendors, they must be making their products and services accessible for people with disabilities as well. And hopefully, Jeff will have more information to share on that this summer. Uh, the last item that I'd like to touch on, you know, 12 years ago now, uh, ACB played a, a major role in passing the Communications and Video Accessibility Act of 2010, or the CVAA. And we are actively working with our partners in the deaf and hard of hearing community that helped build the coalition that passed the CVA in 2010 to look at uh, areas of possible updating or amending to the Communications and Video Accessibility Act. Uh, there, there's been some really cool technology news coming out of cable companies like Comcast and Charter, where they're partnering together on a streaming set-top box for folks who have cut the cable cord and gotten rid of the traditional set-top box. And just this past week, uh, Comcast announced their Xfinity streaming app. So you could still access uh, video programming without a cable box. Uh, it's just an, another app, right? That's just what we all need. One more app. But it's another video app where you can access this linear content as well as on-demand content. Something that would have been infathomable 12 years ago, 15 years ago when the CVAA was being written. You know, the CVA requires that streaming applications have to be accessible, but only when they are native to uh, a video player or if you're instructed to download the, the app by the manufacturer. So if you're downloading a third-party app from the app store uh, to watch your, your TV programming or your on-demand content, there's no requirements for that app to be accessible. That's something that we want to fix. And of course, we want to make sure that audio description is available uh, anywhere and everywhere. You know, a, a great colleague in, in the industry working for one of these companies said, you know, our consumers don't care how or where they watch video programming. They just want to watch it. And that's the same for audio description. Uh, ACB members don't care if they're watching broadcast television over the air, uh, watching cable from their telephone company, their cable provider, or a satellite provider, or if they're streaming it online. They want to have accessible access to the content, and they want it to have audio description. So again, another area that we're continuing to work on, and, and certainly 
not only working with the Federal Communications Commission in Congress, but also working with our partners in the the cable and the video programming and broadcast space. Um, because we've seen a lot of progress over the past few years, whether that's been uh, Time Warner, uh, expanding audio description for TBS, TNT, and True TV, or the the great announcement that we had in 2021 with HBO Max and the sheer quantity of audio description they're bringing to their platform. But then also earlier this year, CBS's announcement that they will be audio describing nearly 100% of their primetime CBS broadcast content and the ex- expansion of live audio description with the the Tony Awards just a couple of weeks ago. So lots of progress is being made, but we want to continue to push the needle and not only have access to audio description, but ensure we have accessible access to the video players and video user interfaces where that content is accessed. And Jeff, I'll turn it back to you. All right. Wow. That's a lot, Clark. Um, well, before we, uh, before we move on, uh, I want to see if there's any questions either in the room or on Zoom for you, Clark. Hey, good afternoon, everyone. This is uh, Jenison speaking. Clark, just a quick clarification on the second to last point. You were talking about the web uh, web accessibility legislation, uh, and you you made a point of mentioning applications. Uh, I just want to clarify: you are also including uh, mobile apps, correct? Absolutely. Yep. I tried to keep it broad to to catch everything, but certainly want to make sure that. Applications, whether they appear on your your desktop, uh, you know, on your PC or your mobile phone, uh, that they are accessible to everyone. That's awesome. Thank you, Jenison. All right, we will move on to Nikki Keck. Hey guys, I just wanted to say I really think that what you guys are doing is really great, and I would like to know either from Jeff or Clark how one could get more involved with the Information Access Committee if one wanted to. Uh, reach out to me. Uh, I'll give contact information, or you can use the contact form that's on the ACB Media website, and that comes to me and a number of other people, and we'll reach out okay. to you that way. So uh, that would be the best way to do that. Okay, thanks. Okay. Next, we have Don Horn. Uh, hi, Don Horn. Um, when I was really happy to hear you mention the issues surrounding artificial intelligence. And what I also think is going to be really important, you know, we keep hearing about the unemployment rate, the high unemployment rate in the disability community. And I've had issues this year with two of, well, three of the we're supposed to call them participants now. Clients is not a good word, I guess. Um, where they were interviewed, they, they went through automated interviews. And in one instance, what would happen is that the interview, the question would come up. Person had to read the question, type the answer, and then the next question would come up. But you had to type the answer in a particular period of time, and then it would disappear. And the client got so nervous because he knew he wasn't completing his answers that he logged off the interview. Um, and I had one other person where she negotiated with the company and, you know, got, got a face to face interview, but she said they weren't too happy about it. Um, and I've heard, I've prepped people on this with other, this is becoming a huge issue. And I think it's going to have a very negative impact. 
And and this is Clark. Thank you so much for relaying that that real world experience and it, examples. Uh, time limits is a another item outlined in the guidance by the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission and the Department of Justice. If you if you haven't seen it, I strongly encourage you to to read or visit the the websites for the guidance um, because. A, there's also ways to file a complaint, for example, with the EEOC on this issue as well. Right. Terrell is next in Zoom. Okay. Thank you all very much. And uh, thank you, Clark and, and Jeff, for, uh, for doing this. Um, I want, would like for you guys, and Clark, I've, I've been in contact with you uh, a bit about this, but I really would like to get with you guys at some point or, or someone on the committee and really, really, really look at DirecTV and DirecTV Stream. Uh, I've been a subscriber since 2018. Um, very slow to little, if any, progress has really been made on accessibility. Um, all of the contacts that I have have left when DirecTV stream, uh, when, when DirecTV and AT&T separated, all of the accessibility contacts that I have have left. There's no one to report to. I've reported issues with my ABC affiliate not carrying uh, the, the SAP audio. It's completely silent. I've reported over 10 times this, this issue 10, 15 times. And I don't know where to go, what to do. Uh, you know, I know I don't want you guys to solve anything, but I, I really would like to get with you guys and kind of get the fire under their feet and get something going. Yeah. And, and Terrell, this, this is Clark. Thank you for raising this issue. I think you have, like you said, you and I have been in contact. I know you've been in contact with the audio description project as well. Um, and you've shared this with the Federal Communications Commission's Disability Rights Office. Um, you're doing all the right things. And uh, unfortunately, some of these problems take take quite a bit of time to work out. I will say it's it's not only direct TV stream, right? It's, it's a lot of these, um, I'll call them virtual uh, multi-channel video distributors, these direct TV streams, uh, whatever the, the other ones are as well. Uh, you know, YouTube has one, Fox has one. A bunch of folks have these, these services that are hitting the market very quickly and accessibility is not uh, front of mind in development. Um, so thank you for bringing this up again. We'll, we'll certainly share this with the, the IAC and the audio description project, and also, uh, well, keep pestering the the FCC to let them know that this is a big issue and it's not going away. Yeah, right, you. right. And I would also like to know because I, I feel like you know, for me, Directv should have the same accessibility level as as Comcast, and 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 I mean, unfortunately, you know, you chat with these, you know level one, level two people and, oh, oh, we'll fix it. We'll fix it. We'll credit your account. And the credits are good, but you know, uh, I, I want to see some action on, on that. Definitely. Great. All right. Well, thank you. We'll be in touch. 
Yes, yes, I do want to contact you, Jeff. Okay, well, there's going to be an opportunity for you to do that, so you'll hear more about that in just a few minutes, okay? Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right, great. Good morning from, or sorry, good afternoon from Tahoe, Nevada. Uh, My name is Dora Martinez. I'm a newly um, ACB member. I just want to thank uh, the panelists and and Mr. Clark Ratchfall. Um, I appreciate and really enjoyed your March or February of this year's um, um, legislative uh, webinar. Um, We were, uh, the ACB were involved in passing a um, Assembly Bill 121, which uh, follows the UCOVA, um, you know, Accessibility uh, Voting Act. So that's a bill, it's a law right now. So people are able to vote uh, independently and with integrity. Um, I just have a quick question because um, right now we just got done with primaries and we, our senators and, and house rep are, are, you know, trying to get reelected. How do we find out if our representative are signed on to um the bill that you were saying i'm sorry the number escaped me thank you sure and thank you for that question so uh, if you're referring to the medical device non-visual accessibility act hr 4853 uh, the best way to do that is to go to the website for uh, the library of congress which is congress.gov and there you can search by bill numbers um, so you'll want HR 4853 from the, it was introduced in 2021, uh, which is considered the 117th Congress. But once you have the, the bill title and number, um, you can access the co-sponsors there. 20% of the people between 60 and 70 do not have smartphones. That means they cannot do telehealth and other issues. CDC funds test to treat sites that have some websites that are inaccessible. You can't get a phone appointment. EDC says they have a disability committee, probably a phone line, I'm nervous, and you call them and that phone line cannot make appointments. This is a gatekeeper for the Paxlovid and the other uh, anti-Omicron variant drugs. Some of the sites are accessible, but CDC has zero understanding of disability at this point, and I just thought I'd bring it up because not everybody has a smartphone, and there are many people who do not even use computers. Those people have no chance of getting into a test-to-treat site. There seem to be no standards, and I thank IAC uh, for your advocacy. Thank you. Thank you. All right, Ray, let's go over to you and see, um, we wanted to give you an opportunity to talk a little bit about United and uh, your work in the area of web accessibility and just see if you wanted to provide any updates to uh, our convention attendees. Good afternoon, ACB, and uh, welcome to everybody uh, both here in the room in Omaha and uh, all you folks uh, listening out there on Zoom. Um, I thought I would just talk a little bit this afternoon uh, about um, uh, just quickly describe the work that I'm doing and um, and then maybe provide a couple of updates, as Jeff said. So, so I am, um, besides being second vice president of ACB, I am the, a senior accessibility analyst working for United Airlines. And um, that means that 
I help help oversee and, and test and advise on making uh, the United website, united.com, and um, our um, uh, mobile applications uh, more accessible. Um, we're required by the Department of Transportation, Air Carrier Access Act, that our website has to be 100% accessible. Um, we're not required, though, to do that with the app. Um, but we have, as I'll share in just a, a minute. Um, the other thing that that requires uh, Air Carrier Access Act is that our airport kiosks, a certain percentage of them, have to be uh, accessible to individuals with disabilities. Uh, and so we've been working on that um, as well. I don't do as much in the kiosk area as I as I have, but um, do concentrate a lot in the web and the app area. Um, so I thought that uh, I'd provide a update, a couple of updates. Um, in the web space, um, one of the kind of, you know, besides passenger travel, that United has uh, is doing, and other airlines do as well. Um, we transport a lot of cargo, and we have a kind of a, a separate site, um, UnitedCargo.com, which we're actually in the process of um, working with to make accessible. I've been doing extensive work with that team to help them understand uh, that, yes, the cargo site does have to be accessible. It's part of United, and, uh, and our, our, our D- the DOT and our legal team has also told them that that has to be accessible. And so um, they were um, working through a number of things. I have um, one of the uh, things that they were looking at is some couple of these uh, accessibility overlays, um, um, accessibility being one of them, and um, user way is another one. I think I've got them talked out of doing that um, for the customer portal because um, it, it, they just really don't do that much. Uh, if you look at, if you actually test test with them, they really don't do a whole lot for you, and so. They are um, moving. Uh, the last piece is a customer portal piece of it, um, and that um, I don't know if any of you who work with uh, you know companies, you know, big companies like this. One of the things that happens is that um, a lot of work gets farmed out to third-party vendors, and so they may or may not have accessibility knowledge. Um, we have worked, um, uh, our, our team and, uh, we, we have a partnership with level access and we have worked to try and get procurement language included in those contracts that would require that they have knowledge and be able to meet, ex- uh, accessibility standards. Um, we have to meet web content accessibility guidelines version 2.0 level double A. Um, now the current version is 2.0. One or two point two, I believe. Um, so that just shows you the speed of the government. Um, I have certainly been encouraging, as we do projects, to get us up to two, to the current uh, standards because there are some good things for mobile and for uh, simplified language on uh, websites. But I want to turn to the app, and I'm really excited of what we've done with the app over about the past two years. The um, travel industry, as you all know, took a huge hit during the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, and, you know, for a while, 
we were just, you know, trying to figure out you know, how we're going to pay people and how we're going to keep folks employed and what types of things we were going to do. But one of the things that uh, our mobile team did was kind of saw that as an opportunity. We had been doing some work in various parts of the app on accessibility. And so we actually ramped that up in late 2020. And we are now at a point in the United app that you can pretty much do uh, most of the major things that you would need to do uh, uh, with an airline app. So if whether you use an iPhone or Android, you would be able to uh, go in, uh, book a flight, check in, um, you know, Check the status of your of, of your flight. Check your you know, reservation. You know, check bags. All the kinds of things that you would be able to uh, normally do. Uh, the basic, you know, what I call kind of the basic functionality that you'd be able to do with um, with the um, with the, any at the the United app. You'd be able to do that, and it's uh, it's accessible. Um, yeah. Yes, we know there's a a little bit of a glitch. You know, kind of a not not the greatest thing here and there, but we do try to catch those and we try to uh, fix those as well. Um, we um, are continuing to uh, work uh, on our app. Our app is like a lot of things; it's never done. Uh, Where we we actually have received uh, we received what's called a Webby Award, and part of that was for accessibility. Webby Awards are it's kind of the uh, you know the the Academy Awards for apps, I guess I would say. Um, and um, we got one, and part of that was for accessibility of our of our app, and we're like the only airline app that, that got anything like that. Got that last year. Um, so, you know, a lot of the, the main functions, you're able to, to do those uh, accessibly um, on, the, uh, on the app. Um, and just... You know some of the things that are coming out in the future um, are that we're looking at ways to make accessible. I'll just share a couple of them. One is that um, we are working at building in some wayfinding capabilities into the app. And uh, in fact, I'm going back. When I go back, I'm going to be involved in a conversation um, wayfinding in the airport. And I'm going to be involved in some conversation to see if there's a way that we can incorporate accessibility into that. Of course, we do have things like IRA and uh, programs like that that can help with that. However, not all airports offer that as a uh, you know, free IRA access locations. Um, I'm a big believer that the airlines could um, become um, access locations uh, through IRA, at least in their parts of the airports where they can where they where they have control, um, but that might be a little bit more hit and miss um, because you do need to go through a different parts of the airport. So that may not work quite as well as uh, as building something into the app. Um, the other big thing that we're starting to talk a little bit more about is, um, and this is a, a big a big hurdle to climb. And that is the one of the things that you can do in the United app is that if you're, let's say you're checking in and you're flying internationally and you need to scan your passport, you can actually do that with the app. However, that is not uh, accessible at this point. Uh, we would, we are looking at um, a number of different uh, options to try and figure out a way to make that, make that work. Um, 
so that you would be able to um, scan your, you know, people who, who are blind or visually impaired, be able to scan their passports just like anybody else. Um, there is a workaround for it. Uh, the only, well, there is one workaround for it. The only workaround for it is you can do it at the airport kiosks. Um, those have a scanner on them. You, they, they have guides on them. And you can put your passport in there and you just have to have the correct page of your passport. And that might be something to, uh, um, you know, could be a hurdle there, but, um, we're, is definitely something that's on our radar to try to figure out how to do that. One of the, uh, issues that we're working through with that is that the validation of the passport or the scanning of the passport and the validation and all that is actually handled through a third party provider. Um, so it's trying to figure out how do we make it accessible but but my thinking as i've told the team is if we can get the information in there then it we should be able to feed it to whoever and it should be able to be scanned and uh, so we're talking about a number of things that um we can do with that so those are kind of two big things that we're really looking at um we've also got some game some games in the app flight simulation games things like that I uh, haven't really talked about accessibility with that yet, but uh, definitely something that would be, if we could figure out a way to do it, would be kind of cool. I would say if you are a regular United Flyer and you have any issues with the app, there is a way on the app to provide some feedback. And um, that to that is, uh, last time I looked, was uh, quite accessible. I believe it's through Qualtrics that we do it. And so you can provide uh, feedback in the app and you can uh, get um, get any uh, uh, issues uh, resolved. And I can tell you that uh, when the mobile team gets accessibility issues, they work very quickly to try and get those resolved. Um, so that's just some things that have been happening with the United app. It's been an exciting last couple of years. And I think it was really great that um, United kind of saw this as a, a, a time of opportunity with the slower demand and things to, to uh, we, so we could work to incorporate some good accessibility into our app. So uh, awesome. that's all I have to share. Thank you. Thank you, Ray. Appreciate that. Ray, I'm wondering if um, your app or how you all are now dealing with the service animal um, application that uh, was quite the deal last year for all the airlines. Um, to my, we can't. We don't. You can't fill that form out on the app just because of the. Uh, amount of information that's there and that sort of thing. You can do it, however, but you could do it um, over a uh, using like a, a browser on a phone. Um, you know, you can go into your reservation. You can access that service animal form. We have actually taken that form and incorporated it into a web web page so that you can actually fill in the information and then submit it, and then it's added to your uh, to your trip. Um, that's one way to do it. Um, the uh, and stuff. Um, it's, it's similar to the dilemma that you have with pets and cabin um, because pet and cabin, there's a form that has to be filled out for that. And I do believe they have to use a, a, a web browser interface as well. So it has to be done through a browser. Um, you could do it on a phone. That form is quite, a, I think it works quite well with Safari, um, but uh, you have to do it like I said, you can't do it in the app itself, but it'll direct you out to the web page and you can do it that way. Thank you. 
Mm-hmm. Hey, this is Mary Beth. Um, just a little bit, sorry, be glad you work for the airlines. Um, a little bit more about the, the service animal thing. How long is the form um, good, and is it transferable to um, other airlines? Um, for instance, say I take a trip, I go halfway on United, and then I, I take a, a, a another flight to with American or whatever to get to my final destination. Do I get to fill out two forms or just one? Okay. And if you don't know, that's okay. Thank you so much. I, 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 that form, the way we've done it, Mary Beth, it, it takes the information but then populates that the standard PDF form that is provided by Department of Transportation. So I, w- I don't know the answer to that, but I will get an answer for you. I would think that if since it's a standard form, if you print that out and take it with you, that you would be able to um, carry that with you and use it on all legs of your trip. But I'd want to check that out for sure. Um, I will check okay, that out thanks. for sure. And um, if you can, and what I will do is I will check that out for sure. And um, if you can, um, we'll, we'll, we'll figure out a way for me to get in touch you with you. You know I'll be on it. I've saved okay. your contact information. I know where you are. Thank okay. you. Thank you, Mary Beth. No problem. As I mentioned before, uh, we're a pretty dynamic organization, and we we adapt quickly to the needs of the organization. Um, The very first resolution that's on deck from the Resolutions Committee is this. Resolution 2022-01, Technology Updates that Impact Accessibility, submitted by Margie Donovan. Whereas a number of companies provide accessibility features within their products, and whereas it can be argued there have been many mainstream technology companies that have been very forward-thinking in their approach to being inclusive and bringing many capabilities for customers who are blind or have low vision, and whereas due to this forward-thinking and commitment to accessibility, products have become pervasive among users who are blind or have low vision from companies such as Amazon, Apple, Google, Microsoft, and others, And whereas, despite this highly commendable record across the technology industry, users are frequently encountering gaps in accessibility features or core mainstream features that negatively impact blind and low vision user experiences. And whereas these issues challenge the ability of people who are blind or have low vision to access information, complete essential employment tasks, or complete daily living tasks... And whereas ACB has developed very strategic and significant partnerships with leading technology companies, and whereas ACB users should have an optimal user experience of newly released features of products, now, therefore, be it resolved by the American Council of the Blind in Convention Assembled this day of July 2022 at the CHI Health Center Omaha in Omaha, Nebraska, that this organization adopt a process through the Information Access Committee to track highly impactful problems that are reported by users and that these issues would be communicated to the national staff on a quarterly basis to be shared with industry leaders with whom ACB has established a positive working relationship. And be it further resolved that if a problem of an urgent nature arises prior to the quarterly report, that it be conveyed expeditiously. And be it further resolved that the ACB president or their designee represent these issues with the spirit of seeking guidance or clarification on resolving highly impactful issues that would impede users' ability to use a product that an issue is addressing. So we thought, well, 
This is uh, this is something that uh, came came up due to a, a resolution that was passed, uh, or or was attempted to be passed last year. And it was brought back again this year, and we 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 uh, the resolutions committee worked uh, to reshape this and come up with what you just heard. I'm here to report uh, a, a um, process that this committee has um, developed and is now available on the ACB Media website. Um, this is the new ACB Technical Incident Reporting Form. Uh, you can find this at acbmedia.org slash report. And uh, I want to talk a little bit about this process, um, the process for submitting feedback, what what's entailed. It's meant to be a little bit um, involved because we, we want there to be uh, some some involvement from the user before actually submitting this process. So let me walk you through the nine-step process that this takes, uh, and then we'll then take um, questions, if that's all right. So if you go to acbmedia.org slash report, you'll be first introduced to a, an introduction page. It talks about why this form exists, and it will t- just give you some basic guidelines as to you know the principles that you kind of heard in the in the resolution you'll click the next button at the bottom of the screen and you'll be taken to a pre uh, prerequisites page this prerequisites page talks about the requirements that you as an individual must fulfill before submitting anything to the committee so these are things like you need to bring this forward to the uh, company's attention, right? Um, they need to be made aware of whatever the issue is that you're experiencing. Um, multiple steps should have been tried and, and opportunities should be given to the company to be able to resolve uh, the issue. Uh, you, you need to clearly document and have available when you submit the form all of the steps taken and the responses from the company itself as to what took place in the transaction. Um, contacts to accessibility teams or accessibility uh, support lines or support uh, infrastructures need to have been taken place if they're available. Um, And then finally, outreaching to the community, other AT or or assistive technology experts, if they're known, or at least outreach within the community of ACB is strongly encouraged. Once you've read all of that, you need to acknowledge that that you meet these prerequisites. Uh, again, we're, we take this pretty seriously. If we're going to ask the national staff to to undertake this, or if we want the committee to be able to take a look at this and do some due diligence before handing it off to the national staff, um, we want to make sure that you agree that you've met these principles. F- finally, you'll be asked some contact information. So, and these are required: your name, email address, and phone number. Then you'll be asked what your computer experience level is. This is mainly just to get an understanding of what kind of user that you are from a technology perspective, intermediate, uh, you know, beginner, intermediate, uh, advanced, expert, uh, that, that type of a thing. We'll ask for your vision status. And we mainly are looking for this just to understand, are you a low vision user? Are you, are you totally blind? Uh, what, what kind of um, ways that you might be using um, technology? And then finally, we ask you about specific assistive technology tools or resources that you use, things like Braille, large print, JAWS, NVDA, Narrator, uh, Zoom Text, Fusion, um, 
you know all, all of these all of these different types of um, all of these different types of resources here. So uh, Android, iOS, uh, Mac, all of these different things. Finally, we then get to the point of the incident itself. So we'll ask you for the incident description. Um, we ask you to identify first before the description. We ask you to identify who the uh, who the company is. It's responsible. We currently have fifty two companies listed. If you have suggestions for others, we're happy to add them. Um, so feel free to to engage us on that. Provide feedback. Um, We'll ask you for an incident type, whether it's a software issue, a hardware issue, or a combined software and hardware issue. For example, like uh, maybe it's a, a piece of software that interfaces with a hardware device, and you're having issues with that. Then we'll ask you for the incident description. We'll ta- ask you about the troubleshooting steps taken. We'll ask you um, w- whether contacts have been made with the company. Um whether the issue has been escalated within the company, uh, whether accessibility resources, basically double-checking your, your prerequisites. Um, and then attempts, we, we want to know whether attempts were made to resolve the issue by the company. And then we want to know if the company feels that the issue had been resolved. And then whether you feel the issue was resolved. And obviously, if you're submitting it, it probably hasn't. But uh, we might get positive responses from this form, too. Then we want to know the company response. What exactly has been the response from the organization that you've worked with? And then uh, what the outcome is that you want. Uh, we'll then ask you for the priority, whether it's urgent, high priority, medium, or low. If it's urgent, you need to justify the urgent nature of the, of the priority, meaning if you're going to mark it urgent, we need further justification as to why it's urgent. Okay? Finally, um, we then... We then ask you for concluding comments, and then we offer you the ability to upload a file, which may have a, uh, which could be a uh, an audio file that represents a demonstration of the problem. So maybe you recorded something on your iPhone, on your computer, whatever the case may be, demonstrating the issue. Uh, that will then get put into a place where the the committee can get access to the file and actually get a demonstration of the process. And you say, well. Wow, this is really technical. This is kind of involved. It's, there's lots of, uh, lots of pieces, lots of moving pieces to this. What, what ends up happening with all of this? Um, so what happens here is this, this actually ends up going to the committee. Uh, the committee will take a look at these, uh, urgent issues will, are looked at very quickly. Um, and depending upon the issue, we're working with national staff on, on exactly what the timing is going to be on those. Um, uh, for other issues, we'll be looking at them and, and, uh, gathering them up for a quarterly report that will be submitted to the national office for them to take forward to their contacts that they may have with companies that issues have been reported against. So this is basically just a, a way for you as members of the organization to be able to provide input, to um, ask for assistance from the Information Access Committee, as well as the national staff. So I know that was a lot and uh, probably a good good 10 to 12 minutes of me just babbling on on what this process is. But uh, would, would in the time that we have left, would love to get some feedback from all of you on what you think of the process uh, and uh, 
find out what you think. So, um, by the way, that form is live. There's some, you'll, we're, we're continuously tweaking it, by the way. <laughs> if you have comments, if you have suggestions, if you think that the form could be improved in any way, um, please, 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 please reach out. Happy to do that. Uh, we normally don't give out email addresses. Um, are we allowed to give out email addresses during the convention trial? I think we can, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, if, if, if people have direct feedback and reference to the form or have specific questions uh, for about about the committee or the process of the, of the committee or questions for me specifically or questions for the committee in general, um, the, the, quickest way to, the quickest way to do that is to email me at jeff at jeffbishop.com jeff at jeffbishop.com that's truly the best way of of reaching out and getting a hold of me um but i'm I'm gonna make a very quick 10 second comment yeah go ahead what we want people to understand because this does sound like a whole lot you have to go through acb doesn't have the resources to provide customer support per se in the generic sense this is really an escalation of last resort You've done everything you can. The company's done everything it can. There's no meeting of the minds. And you can really show the committee and ACB that you really at the end of your resources, you don't know what else to do. And the problem still exists. ACB, if it agrees, will then escalate it using its contacts. And that's a lot different than just, hey, this isn't working right. What are you going to do? You know, regular customer support issues. We just can't do the lower level kind of customer support. So please bear with us. This is about escalation at a high level. And so we really need all of you to do your significant part and do as much as you can before we can move your issue forward. Yeah, and and that's, that's and right. That's and, yep. and, and we will be very stringent on the form. If you do not provide all the information that we expect, it's going to go back to you to say, you know, we need you to do more before we, before we take a look at this. So it's really important that you provide all the detail and you do the due diligence here because you know uh it, it we we want to we definitely want to help you but we want to make sure we have the data to help you thanks um jeff and and travis um yeah since uh november since this past november i have been using a resmed cpap machine and you know i i can do most everything i need to do with it and there are alternative ways for it to be set like your doctor or a representative from the company I bought it from can, you know, change the settings on it. But the thing that kind of bugs me is that it has this menu and you access the menu and make your choices by turning a knob, turns continuously and then pushing a button, you know, or pushing the knob in once you've made the selection. Um, Would this be an example maybe of something that could be submitted on that form? I, I, I think, um, I think you're going to want to take a look at the form. I know I went through it really, really quickly. So you really ought to just go and take a look at the form and, uh, walk through the process, uh, of, uh, and take a look at it. Um, I would even encourage you to put in dummy fields just so you see all the, you know, see the process before you submit an actual one. If you want to okay. do that, that's fine. Um, okay. uh, 
I have a ResMed CPAP as well, and I and I I hear your pain. Trust me. Um, okay. <laughs> but I, but I but I personally would not submit that until I've done the due diligence. And I and honestly, oh sure. And, and I, they and, seem, and, and you they know what? Seem like they might be committed. Yeah. Know, from when I've talked to them. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and, and I haven't. So so for me, I I wouldn't feel comfortable when I wrote the form. So uh, I I um. I would not feel comfortable personally doing it, but if you have, and you and you have and you have the data that that shows that you know, for example, if Clark would be the one that would be working on your behalf to solve this problem, uh, I, I you know he would want to have as much data as possible, and I I personally wouldn't have that data, but if you do, then yes, absolutely. All right, we're to get it. Yes, exactly. Okay. Yep. Right. Yep. Okay. Thank you. You're more than welcome. And Martin. Oh, uh, yes. Uh, good afternoon. Uh, where were you guys? Where was this form when I needed it? Oh, boy. Um, I bank with a national bank, one of the big banks, and um, I use online bill pay. Uh, and every time they upgrade, they change it just uh-huh. enough to where I can't even sign in. Sometimes I can't even do uh, the transactions I need to do. So I call the bank. And and I go up several levels, you know, from the basic customer, well, <laughs> customer sure. service, I'm trying to be polite, to other levels. Then um, I finally they get someone who who um, uh, opens a case, and I report it. And there used to be an, an uh, accessibility committee that, you know, that would call me back, and we would try to resolve it over the phone. Uh, from what I hear, that uh, the, uh, this bank no longer has an accessibility department. Okay. So uh, when, when so I mean, and, and um, you know, I have called the ACB um, national office about it, and I've mm-hmm. written letters, and so um, yeah, that's that. Well, let's um, let you know if you feel that you have the data to be able to um, provide enough information, then feel feel free to fill out the form. We'll see what we can do to help you. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay. When, when the next thing comes up, I, I will believe me. Thank All right. you. Thank you. ACBmedia.org slash report. Okay. Next. Okay. The question in the case of web inaccessibility issues, um, is it a good idea to have tried to run one of those, you know, accessibility um, tools? I don't know what you call them. You, you, yeah, you, you mean like, better at this than I am. Yeah, like accessibility yeah. insights or wave or anything of those nature? Yeah, sure. Yeah, um, to have run it, one it, of those. It, or at if, least gotten somebody that's better than I am, like Runa Voda, to help me with it. Yeah, I, I, it never hurts to have as much data <laughs> as possible, absolutely. Okay, thank you All so right. much. I think we have time for one more, Travis. Melody. I had had the same issue with the same heart monitor and same Houston, Texas company with the same study that President Dan Spoon had had. I don't have physical data to support me, but I had tried, and I think it's the same one, Preventive Solutions suggesting, you know, iOS devices and what we do instead of Androids, telling them I don't have anyone at my beck and call, if not appear as I do. I tried the heart hospital and the cardiologist, and, you know, I couldn't prove what I was saying. Supposed to get a 30-day, I think Dan was supposed to have a 21, and I got maybe a 5 and a half out of it i don't have physical data to support me to try to try to fill that form out and it concerns me that others could 
you know, be at risk. And it's just, you know, you're blind and you have all these sight conditions and, you're, and that's what it is. Sure. So it's kind of hard fighting that battle after trying five different healthcare systems. I tell you what, um, let, what drop me an email, Jeff at jeffbishop.com. And, um, okay, let's, you're let's, okay. Yeah. Then, um, yeah, Jeff at jeffbishop.com and let's start having a conversation. I can't make any promises, but let's, okay, uh, it may be after the 11th of July. The yeah. I, I think, I think right now I don't have, yeah. Convention is yeah. convention and work are consuming 300% of my, my life at the moment. So I don't know that I have time to, to do any advocacy work at the yeah. moment, but let's, okay. let's see what we can do to help you. Okay. Okay. Thank you. All so right. Much. Um, I want to, I want to thank everyone here from the committee, uh, Jason and, and Don and Verna and, uh, Ray and Clark, uh, and John. And thank you everyone for being here. This has been, uh, just an amazing session. Uh, I, I very much appre- appreciate each and every one of you. We're here to serve all of you. Again, if you have questions for the committee, drop me an email, jeff at jeffbishop.com. Uh, take a look at the incident report. Provide feedback on the forum to us found at acbmedia.org slash report. Would be happy to hear about that. And if you just have any questions in general, uh, definitely feel free to reach out. Thank you so much, everyone, and uh, have a great convention. Enjoy general session tonight, and we'll uh, see you during the week. Good night, everybody. Good night.